Today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. Building in Faith. In Matthew's Gospels, we see the power of the tongue to shape a life. The tongue has power to shape a life. Jesus said, For out of the outflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. What's inside comes out. What's in the depths of our heart is expressed through our mouths. Reaching up high with arms open wide we see You're changing our lives so we can be our hands If you ever want to know what's in someone's heart, just listen to them talk for a while. The Bible says that it's out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. As Pastor Ed continues his teaching series through the book of James, he'll be challenging us to deal with any sin that may have taken root deep down within us that is being revealed by what comes out of our mouths. If we're speaking ill of someone else, it could be that we have jealousy or covetousness in our heart. Now here's Pastor Ed with today's edition of Building in Faith. hear a word from the Lord, a word from our God. In chapter 3 of the book of James, listen to these words, a word of caution, a word for some people to put on the brakes, a word that searches. Let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, knowing that as such we will incur stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body as well. Now, if we put the bit into horses' mouths so that they will obey us, we direct their entire body as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so great and are driven by strong winds, are still directed by a very small rudder, wherever the inclination of the pilot desires. So also the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts great things. Remember coming, running in the house? Mommy, Daddy, you know what they said to me? Maybe your parents said, don't worry. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt you. And so you went with that phrase out into the neighborhood. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Wrong. <laughs> Maybe it helped at the time, but it's wrong. Words go deep into our heart. They cut into our soul. And it's the marrow of our bones. You'll never make anything of yourself. You're a failure. You're just stupid. Those words are like acid. And they burn into our soul. 
and we take them with us from childhood to adulthood through the journey. They leave scars. His parents didn't think he would make anything of himself. And they let him know so. (laughs) Both of his parents ignored him. His father, Randolph, detested him. His mother paid no attention to him. He didn't do well in school. It seemed to confirm the parental opinion. Their minds were justified in their parental neglect. Upon graduation of Sandhurst, young Winston imagined that his father would be proud of him. But he didn't quite make the cut that his father wanted him to make. Listen to the words of this letter sent by the father to the son. Do not think I'm going to take the trouble of writing to you long letters after every failure you commit and undergo. I no longer attach the slightest weight to anything you may say about your own acquirements and exploits. If you cannot prevent yourself from leading the idle and useless, unprofitable life you have had during your school days and later months, you will become a mere social wastrel, one of the hundreds of public school failures, and you will degenerate into a shabby, unhappy, futile existence. If that is so, you have to bear all the blame for such misfortunes yourself. And then his father, Randolph, ended the letter in this caustic way. Your mother sends her love. Had those words controlled this young man, a whole nation would have suffered. Oftentimes, generational sins are passed down from one generation to another. The abusive parent abuses the child and that child one day becomes a parent and he abuses his child had Winston Churchill let those words dominate control and dictate the course of his life England may have fallen during the second world war because it was Winston Churchill's encouraging words that lifted up the nation and helped them stand During a time of trouble, listen to Churchill's words. Remember them? We will fight them on the beaches. We will fight them in the street. We will fight them in the houses. And we will never surrender. Another time, Winston Churchill said to the British people, if this little island empire lasts for a thousand years, let us so conduct ourselves so that they will say of us, This was their finest hour. His words held the nation together at their critical time. A historian said concerning Napoleon that half of what Napoleon achieved was achieved through the power of words. James looks at the teacher, looks at the preacher, looks at the church leader and says, don't be anxious to be a teacher, a leader, a preacher, because God is going to judge you on a different standard 
than others. A more strict standard. In Matthew's Gospels, we see the power of the tongue to shape a life. The tongue has power to shape a life. Jesus said, for out of the outflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. What's inside comes out. What's in the depths of our heart is expressed through our mouths. One preacher said it this. What's in the deep wells of the heart comes out in bucket fills through the mouth. I like the way he said that. It's true. It's true. What we are is revealed by how we speak and what we say. Jesus tells us that. They're his words. Doctor, first thing you do when you go in his office, he says, stick out your tongue. He wants to know your health. He can tell by looking at your tongue. James tells us, stick out your tongue. It tells us about your spiritual health. The great test of a man's character is his tongue, Oswald Chambers said. The great test of a man's character is his tongue. James says that our lives will be measured by our speech. In James 3.1, not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. You're going to get off easy from this sermon in comparison to me. God's going to say, this is what you preached in April on Sunday morning. You said it. Now I'm going to measure your life by it. Now, I want to discomfort a few of you. If you are a leader in the church, you're going to be judged more strictly as well. Because God holds those in leadership accountable, responsible. If you're a deacon or a deaconess, if you're a Sunday school teacher or a small group leader, if you, just by virtue of your years with God, stand as a mentor to others, God's going to judge us by how we live and what we say. In James 1, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. The world hasn't caught on to this at all. They see position for position itself as a badge of power, prestige. Dick Morris, in his book, Behind the Oval Office, Winning the Presidency in the 90s, claims that the success of the Clinton campaign was its ability to know the current mood of the country and to shape the president's message to fit that mood. They would take one poll after another poll after another poll. It cost them a lot of money, but they wanted to know what the mood of people was in the country. And so they would adjust the speeches and they would adjust the policies all according to what the poll said. Now, he goes on to say, Morris explains his motivation talking about himself in stark terms. I needed the power fix too badly. Being a teacher, being a preacher, being a leader should never be a power fix. When I come to a passage like this, it makes me tremble because I know that there is a higher scale of accountability 
for those who lead the church. See, James knew that you set the mood, the direction through the preaching and teaching ministry of the church. And James says, be very careful how you speak, what you say. John Sponge, the Episcopal Bishop of the Diocese of New Jersey, has argued for the permissibility of sexual relationship outside of marriage for both heterosexuals and homosexuals, claiming that sex outside of marriage can be holy and life-giving in some circumstances. He denies the virgin birth and the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ as well. Well, he'd fit well into our culture. He'd get an applause from the audiences. But he is not saying what the Bible says. He is not saying what scriptures teach. And we cannot package this message so that it fits into the culture and people just go away feeling good, you know. Let's get a good feeling out of church. Let's get a fix when we go there. Get us through the week. Let us feel better about ourselves. Let us feel better about... Sometimes we have to be uncomfortable. And the word has to convict when you listen to your favorite radio or television preacher, or you read their books, do they ever talk about hell or heaven? Do they ever talk about the judgment of God? Do they ever talk about the great doctrines of Scripture? See, the Bible tells us that God looks at those things. We have to represent the full counsel of God. We have to preach the full counsel of his word. And we'll be held accountable if we don't. Matthew tells us in 1236, but I tell you that men will have to give account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. God is keeping track of our words. What we say, and how we say it, and when we say it. See, God watches. And there ought to be in our heart that sense of holy fear. Don't let something slip out of your tongue. Negative, that cut people down. Don't let caustic words, acid-like words, burn into another man or another woman's soul so as to damage them. God gave you two eyes and two ears and one tongue. You should do twice as much listening as you do speaking. And he gave you a cage to put that tongue in. God wants us to live lives of accountability, to watch what we say and how we say it. Now, he recognizes, James recognizes, that we all falter. In verse 2, our lives are being shaped by our speech. He says, we all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he's a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. We all stumble. That word stumble, buteo, means to trip, to err, to stumble. It's in the present tense, denoting that it's something that's continually happening. All of us, all through the journey, falter and fail. Never say, why did I say that? Boy, I wish I wouldn't have said it that way. Boy, I, I thought I had that under control. 
Don't say everything that comes to your mind. Use a little wisdom. God expects us to recognize that all of us, teachers included, those who preach the teach, those who minister, uh, those in leadership, they stumble, they fall, they falter. But he says, the person who can control what he says is a perfect man. Now, that doesn't mean they are sinless. It meant that they are mature. Teleos, mature. Uh, what James is saying is, if you can control what you say, how you say it, when you say it, it's going to affect every other area of your spiritual life. Listen, if you gossip, I tell you, there's going to be a wall between you and God. If you backbite and are critical, it's going to affect your spiritual life. There's no two ways about it. It just is that way. And so we are forming we are shaping our inner self by what we say, how we say it. In Proverbs 10, 19, the New Revised Standard reads, when words are many, transgression is not lacking, but the prudent are restrained in speech. I like the New Living Translation. It says, don't talk too much, for it fosters sin. Be sensible. Turn off the flow. Listen, uh, you don't always have to be talking. The tongue, Richard Foster said, is a thermometer. It gives us our spiritual temperature. It is a thermostat. It regulates our spiritual temper. Control the tongue, and it can mean everything. That ought to be a prayer. Lord, help me to control my speech. Uh, Pastor Greco used to pray every time when he stood behind the podium, almost every time, he would pray, Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, my strength, my redeemer. Quoting from the Psalms. It was a good prayer that he prayed. Maybe it was because of that recognition that someday will be brought into account for what we've said and what we've taught. It's not a matter of pleasing people. People can applaud and stand to their feet and say, great job. If heaven doesn't applaud, oh, God help us. God help us. Matthew 15, 18 reads, but the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart, and these make a man unclean. I tell you, you will defile yourself. Don't tell off-color jokes. Don't put down people. Don't, as it were, destroy another person's sense of worth and value. When people come out of your presence, they should feel better about themselves than when they went in. We should build up, not tear down. We should build up, not break down. Well, what do we do? Well, look inward. If you catch yourself saying something or some attitudes, it's a revelation of what's inside. Take it to the Lord. Say, oh, Lord, I didn't know that was in there. Cleanse me of it. Look inward. But do something more than look inward. Look forward to the day of judgment. It will help you if you think about standing before God and you think about having to give account of your words. And you think about 
being accountable to God Almighty. Picture yourself standing before the judge of all the earth. That will help. And then look upward. Look to God. Because God can put, as it were, that restraining, constraining influence in your life. You can take and say, Lord, sanctify my tongue. Now, one woman came to the pastor and said, Oh, pastor, I want to repent of gossip. I've been gossiping about this person and that person and the other, and the pastor knew it was true. And she said, I want to put my tongue on the altar. And he said, Woman, there's no altar long enough for your tongue. <laughs> well, <laughs> God help us to say, Lord, I really want to be careful what I say. I had a tube of toothpaste here. It's still here. Uh, Sam Robles gave it to me. Not that I needed it, but uh, you take this tube of toothpaste and you squeeze it and that toothpaste comes out real easily. But if I could have a volunteer to come and put it back in. It's like our words. Once you say it, you can't take it back. Once it's out there, you can't retrieve it. No matter how hard you may try. Now, the tongue has power to direct. It has power to shape our lives, but it also has power to direct our lives. In James chapter 3, verses 3 to 4, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. He gives us an illustration of a horse. Here's a huge horse. All of that muscle, all of that power. And you could have a frail woman, uh, don't get offended ladies, but a hundred pound jockey on that, just controlling that racehorse exactly the way she wants it to go because there's a two pound bit in its mouth. I think Guinness Book of Records had the largest horse over uh, 3,000 pounds. So imagine a two pound bit controlling that powerful animal. Our words control the direction of our life. If you begin talking negatively, talking critically, talking caustically, you're going to be directed a certain way. It's going to direct your steps. It's going to direct your attitude. It's going to direct your outlook. And it's going to control you. Put a bit in your mouth. Let God control you. I think of Adolf Hitler. When he came into power in Germany. He had great power of oratory. And he moved through his oration. The German nation into the place of war. And holocaust. I think of Jim Jones. Influencing religious people. To take their own lives. Power of the tongue is powerful. We have to determine to use it correctly, to use it right. I was reading about a small church in the village of Croatia. Uh, one day at the beginning of the 20th century, there was an altar boy named Joseph. He was helping the village priest celebrate communion. And the young boy Joseph dropped chalice of wine on the floor and it shattered the priest looked at him smacked him in the face and said get out of here don't come back 
Programs like Building in Faith are wonderful, and we do know that God uses them in the lives of countless believers. We also know that just hearing God's Word is not enough. We must put into practice those things that we are learning. Pastor Ed is taking us through the book of James. We'll learn that we must be doers of the Word and not hearers only. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Building in Faith. You've been listening to Building in Faith, the radio ministry of Dr. Edward Jones of Faith Assembly in Poughkeepsie, New York. Now we want to encourage you to log on to buildinginfaithradio.com and spend some time getting to know us. Again, to follow Building in Faith and access the archive of messages, log on to buildinginfaithradio.com. When you visit the site, you'll only need to remember today's date. Simply click on today's date. You can listen, download, and even share this message with your friends and family via Facebook and Twitter. If you have any questions, call us. Our phone number is 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. In the next edition of Building in Faith, Pastor Ed will continue sharing messages from the book of James. So be sure to join us. Until then, may God richly bless you. Your word restores